0: to create passive income and generational wealth while also lowering your taxable income through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. If you haven't hit subscribe yet, make sure you do that right now so that you don't miss an episode. Thanks so much for joining me today, and now, on with the show. Welcome to Thoughtful Thursdays here on the Plan B CRNA Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Jones. As always, I like to start these shows off with a quote that gets me thinking. This is one that I saw attributed to three different names, only one of which I actually recognize, so I'll just go ahead with it. Quote, anger doesn't solve anything. It builds nothing, but it can destroy everything. Here's another one for you. I didn't mean it. I was only venting. Raise your hand if you've ever heard that excuse before. Heck, raise your hand if you've actually used that excuse before. I know I have. So before I started talking about anger, I made sure to switch my background to the beach and put on my Hawaiian shirt. I don't know about you, but I just feel more relaxed at the beach. Many folks within our community have had their reputations tarnished or careers derailed after something that they said on social media. If there's so much to be lost by losing our cool online, then why do we actually do it? Well, according to Psychology Today, there are three things that we know about venting online. Number one, it actually relaxes people in the short term. The brain response to anger is very similar to addictive behavior. Repeated hits of neurochemical stimulation and a sense of purpose are intoxicating in their own way. But a 2009 study indicates that they also suppress function in the prefrontal cortex, which is the logic center of the brain, as you well know. A 2013 study by Dr. Ryan Martin and colleagues showed that 100% of frequent internet ranters reported feeling calm and relaxed after posting on a rant site such as JustRage.com. This is related to the dopamine that hangs around after a flare-up, creating a post-tirade glow. However, the same study showed that those same people were angrier than the average person and expressed their anger in a more negative way. This leads to the conclusion that while the short-term rush from anger might be soothing, the long-term effects are actually bad for you. Number two, people do it often and there are consequences. A 2014 survey showed that 46% of Twitter users say that they often tweet as a way of dealing with or venting their anger, with 37% of them hoping that the person or group they're tweeting about will read the tweet. But the consequences aren't great. 9% of participants reported getting into an argument that they regretted, and 3% reported that they lost a friend in the last month over something that they posted. And this was in 2014, before the Trump presidency and rising tensions within our country. These statistics have only worsened over the following years. I've personally known folks who have lost leadership positions or jobs over something that they posted online. I'm sure you do too, and it's no joke. Data also tells us that men and women become angry at approximately the same rate, but that their expressions are just different. Men tend to be more outward with yelling, screaming, or hitting. Women are more likely to suppress. And this likely has something to do with how we evaluate men and women differently in society. Men who show anger are more often perceived as strong or even smart, whereas women often lose credibility. Number three, anger spreads faster than other emotions. As Dr. Nick Morgan researched for his 2018 book, Can You Hear Me Now? How to Connect in a Virtual World, he found a ton of evidence that the connections on social media are more fragile, more superficial, and more prone to negativity than face-to-face interactions. His conclusion? That if social media is replacing our real-world connections— it is inevitable that we'll become angrier. A 2013 study by Fan and colleagues found that anger simply spreads faster online than other emotions like sadness or happiness. They categorized the emotions of over 70 million tweets on Weibo, which is a Chinese social networking site similar to Twitter. And they found that while happy tweets were shared by close relationships, angry tweets were shared by both close and distant relationships. They argue that anger is the viral emotion. So what does this all mean? When taken together, these factors mean that we have a problematic and contagious behavior. Similar to drugs or alcohol, it feels good to get angry. So people may do this often, even though it's bad for them in the long run. How can we avoid being swept up into this anger trap ourselves? We probably need to dial it down, don't we? Well, when thinking of this topic, I immediately thought of Doris Kearns Goodwin's book, Leadership in Turbulent Times. She tells how Abraham Lincoln dealt with his own anger as president during the Civil War. When Lincoln was angry at a cabinet member, colleague, or one of his union generals, he would write a letter venting all of his pent-up fury. And after he wrote it, he simply put it aside. Hours later, or the next day, he would look at the letter again to attend to the matter with a clearer eye. More often than not, he didn't send the letter. Years after his death, historians discovered a trove of letters that had the notation, never sent and never signed. Lincoln practiced the habit for three reasons. First, he didn't want to inflame already heated passions. Second, he realized that words said in haste aren't always clear-headed or well-thought-out. Third, he used it as a learning activity for others on his team of rivals. In one story, Goodwin recounts how Lincoln listened patiently to his Secretary of War, Edwin Stanton, who was in a rage with one of his generals. Lincoln suggested he write a letter to the general, which took Stanton two days to write. He brought it to Lincoln, who told him, now that you feel better, throw it in the basket. That is all that is necessary. Stanton was incredulous, but he took the advice. Now, Stanton didn't get along with Lincoln at the start of their relationship, but by the end of it, Stanton became one of Lincoln's biggest cheerleaders, closest friends, and most loyal advisors. Now, that's a great story and all, but what if after taking some time, you still find that your anger is justified in not going away? How can you turn that anger into something constructive? It turns out there are a few different things you can do. Number one, problem solve. Anger alerts you to a problem, so use it to identify and solve the underlying issue. As a parent, if you've ever stepped on a Lego, your anger suddenly alerts you to the fact that your children need to clean up their toys now. Number two, seek broader change. Some problems are really big, like income inequality, rural health care, or cyberbullying. And it's no surprise that they can evoke frustration. In these instances, anger can help to create a better community and world by spurring you to donate, volunteer, write letters, or even run for political office. Number three, assert yourself. You can have meaningful conversations when angry, so long as you are clear and perhaps a bit vulnerable. It's often not too late to revisit an event a couple of days later and tell someone, the other day when yada yada happened, I was really upset by it and didn't tell you. You won't always get what you want out of it, but you'll likely feel better about how you handled things. As with many things, it takes practice before you actually feel more comfortable with this one. Number four, create art, literature, poetry, and music. Many beautiful and powerful works have been motivated by anger and pain. Five, find support. When you're angry, sometimes what you need is someone to talk to and help you process the emotions and situation. Choose your listener carefully, hopefully someone who is somewhat impartial, and make sure not to use them as a punching bag. This episode almost felt like a rabbit hole episode to me. I ended up reading countless articles on anger, discovering that there is a mountain of research being done on the topic. I've included the books mentioned and some other resources that I found helpful in the show notes. As always, I'd like to thank you for listening to the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you found value today, make sure you hit subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. We also want to hear from you. If you have a question, comment, or topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming podcast, make sure you rate and review on our podcast player. I check those all the time and cover those questions in future episodes. I hope you'll join us next time. This is Bobby Jones signing off. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of the Plan B CRNA podcast. If you haven't already subscribed and reviewed the show, I'd be honored if you took the extra time. It really helps to expand our reach and get the word out about the show. If you're a CRNA who is interested in sharing your story on our podcast, I'd love to have you. Please email me at bobby at oncallinvestments.com for more information. This episode was brought to you by On Call Capital. They're dedicated to helping providers like you develop passive income, and generational wealth through investments in the apartment and alternative investment spaces. Feel free to check out their website at www.oncallinvestments.com and subscribe to their free educational email series. You can find On Call Capital on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also check out our YouTube page, where you'll find all of the show episodes along with other educational videos. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.